Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Paramore have been a band for about 20 years, and in those years, they've learned a lot of lessons. Growing up, having your formative years be in the spotlight, how to handle the ebbs and flows of being in a band and sharing your creative life and your job with people you met when you were a teenager. And maybe the biggest lesson of all, learning that the opinions of people on the internet don't really matter. Haley Williams, the lead singer of Paramore, has been thinking about that last one a lot. Being the front woman of one of the most important pop-punk bands in the world comes with a lot of people trying to tell you what they think about you. She was able to make peace with that and use it for inspiration on Paramore's latest album, This Is Why. So that album's up for two Grammys this year. Paramore are in the news right now, months after we aired this conversation, for quitting social media without explanation. So when you hear our conversation, you can piece together why, right? It's because Haley Williams, in my opinion, has always done things her way without explanation or apology, and she sort of learned how the internet actually works. Given all that, we thought it would be a good time to revisit our conversation. Uh, we spoke with the lead singer of Paramore, Haley Williams, from her home in Nashville. How are you? Hi. Oh, I'm great. I'm I'm nervous. I'm just my brain is going in a million directions, but I'm really, I'm good. Thank you for having me. That's a joy to have you. Why are you nervous? Oh, dude, it never gets easier. You could put out a million records and I, I, I think I would hope that I would still have nerves on the millionth album. I like, it's just, it's all of your heart and soul and a, a lot of time and energy that goes into it. And then you just kind of hand it to people to take care of it. So here's hoping that they receive it well. Is it extra nervous because of the break? Like I should say for people, like five years off, uh, mm-hmm. five years, no Paramore record, and now Paramore yeah. record. But is, is that extra nervous E? I think so, because, you know, when you're if you're not paying attention, it could be surprising. But 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 watching how much the industry can change and and the world, you know, anyway, culture, whatever. Five years is a really long time, especially if you're, you know, using the Internet as any sort of gauge. So, yeah, a lot has changed. We've changed, you know, a lot, a lot can change in your own life in five years. And I think the, the positive thing is we're all, you know, as adults, this has been the most this has been the most incredible time to be at home and to, you know, enter into our 30s, like surrounded by family and community back in Nashville, which is where we've grown up, where we're from. So yeah, I, I think entering, even just leaving that bubble and going back into the world after five years is also, uh, it's a little nerve wracking. Can you do the why now? Can you, can you tell me why now after five years? Mm. You know, that's a really good question. I, Zach says that I just DM'd him on Instagram one day. I mean, we were all 
quarantined. We hung out a little bit because we were in each other's bubbles, obviously. But Zach's our drummer for people that don't that don't know. We he's like a man of action, you know. So I I I told him, I guess he remembers this. I DM'd him and I was like, I'm ready. And that's all I said. And he was like, All right. I feel like that probably means we're back at it. So next thing we know, we're like holed up at the studio in East Nashville, which is kind of like the hip part of town, you know? Yeah. And um and we thank God day one, we get in and we write something that surprised us. And I think surprise is, is the key word because, um, you know, to make things that you're comfortable making and that you, that you, you know, feel good about is one thing, but to really surprise yourself after, you know, 20 years of us writing together is, um, man, it's such a comfort. Cause you're like, Oh, all right. I still have some things in me worth exploring. Like there's still more, to, to figure out. And, um, I think that's the best part of being creative. I mean, I, I understand that part. I understand that when you're together t- 20 years, if you went into the studio and you made a record, uh, you started making songs that sounded like, you know, they, they, they didn't creatively excite you or, or mm. they felt like the old stuff that wouldn't be as fun. That wouldn't keep you going. What I don't, yeah. what I don't understand is the, I'm ready. What do you, what, <laughs> what, where did I'm ready come from? I really missed being in the room with, with, both Zach and Taylor and like the way that Paramore has sort of been uh, like a catalyst in all of our lives for every type of growth. It doesn't have to be artistic. I think it's kind of been the vehicle in which we, that's how we get to places. It's how we see the world. It's like our lens. I think I missed that. I was home a lot. I had done two solo records and I think I did those to prove to myself that I could do it and to hell with, you know, whatever people have said about Paramore and me being like, you know, it being a glorified solo act. I wanted to show people that actually me doing a solo thing probably sounds a lot different than Paramore and it did. But then I just missed being in my like my home, you know, and, and creatively Paramore is my home. And thankfully I wasn't the only one that felt that way. Cause maybe then we wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened, but all three of us were like, yeah, it feels right. I can, I can hear that. Like the, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about us. This is who we are-ness of the record. Cause I think the f- opening line is like, you, you, was it, you, you can take your opinion and you can shove it. Is that the opening line? <laughs> I mean, basically, yes. It, uh, if you have an opinion, maybe you, maybe should, shove you it. should shove it. It's a little yeah. more Canadian than that. It's a little. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> more. It's a little gentler than I said it. But am I reading into that, Haley? That like that. That's a that that felt to me like um. A very intentional opening line, you know? Now that you're saying all this, I'm kind of realizing for the first time that the album opens with that line and then it closes with um, a song called Thick Skull, which is the first song that we wrote. It's the one I was telling you, like we got in and we were like, oh shit, we were surprised by it. Um, and that song is very much about, it's like a, 
I'm reflecting on a lot of years of having people's opinions projected on me, uh, the band going through several iterations, just literally just friends going through friendship drama and breaking up and getting back together. And a lot of the times I got the brunt of that. Um, I think it's easy anyway for a lead singer to kind of be, uh, you know, the scapegoat, but especially being a female and kind of coming up in the time that we did, there was just a lot of stuff that I've, that I've held on to that's been really, I think kind of limiting for me. I think I've limited myself because it scares me what people are going to say about the band or about me as, you know, character wise. Like, I don't know, you see people say shit like it's the Haley Williams show or whatever. And I think I just got to a place and this is where Thick Skull comes from. The subject matter of Thick Skull is like, what if, like, what if all of that was true? Would it even matter? Like, what if I just called all these folks bluffs, you know? And when I say these folks, it's like anonymous commenters on the internet, which sounds insane to give a shit about, but that was my formative years, you know? So it's, it's nice to, to hear you talk about, you know, in context, that's how the album starts. And then that's also in a way how the album ends. I want to leave all of that worry and the care about, you know, what are they going to think about every little move that I make? And am I a good person? Am I a bad person? I just want to like, let that go. That has nothing to do with our creativity. I love that so much that the, the album would begin with like, I don't care about your opinion. You know, you can shove, you can maybe shove it. Maybe. 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 And then... (laughs) And then the and album. Am I like honorary Canadian now? Yeah, you, you made it. Just say sorry a couple of times. And All then right. at the end of the um, at the end of the album, it is this like, well, you know, even if all the things you say about me are true, even if all mm. the things assumptions you make about me are true, I'm still mm. I'm still okay. Like I'm still all right. Yeah. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. In a single year, I've aged 100. Ah. I mean, speaking of Canada, um, that is Paramore and C'est Comme Ça. Uh, Haley Williams of Paramore is my guest. My name is Tom Power. I'm not going to put too much of my stuff on it. Just tell me about that song. Oh, God. First of all, the wonderlust when you're stuck quarantining at home is very serious, especially when a lot of my life has been spent traveling for, you know, my job and we don't even get to see much, just screen rooms. So I think I I couldn't stop thinking about the time we've spent in Paris, also Montreal. But this one in particular is just about the process of getting help, getting better, kind of deciding that 
the status quo or just simply surviving is not enough. And um, I'm very much addicted to a survival narrative. My, my, my story in my own life, the women in my family um, are survivors of, of you know, um, I'm thinking mostly of like domestic assault, emotional and physical uh, and mental abuse. And, you know, I, I am my mother's only child and she's such a heroine to me. She's so heroic and so brave and smart. And I think on the fl- on the good side, it's like, I want to be like that. On the bad side, I think my mom wants me to have a better life than, than she's ever had, you know? So being addicted to uh, a narrative of survival is quite limiting also. It's very much like, if, can, can if you you're only me- looking... I don't well, know what ahead, that means ahead. being addicted to um, a narrative of survival. Can you help, can you help me understand that a bit better? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, so I got home after we made the, re- or after we toured after laughter and I decided to get help. Uh, I was, I knew I was struggling mentally and it was kind of getting dark and I, I knew it was like time to take it seriously. And I, so I got diagnosed with depression and PTSD and the way that it's been described to me, people who have PTSD, I grew up thinking like, oh, well, that's something for people that have been in combat. Like, that's what that is. But I think we all have, whether they're micro or or bigger types of traumas in our daily life, it can be easy to get used to the stress of that. And your body, the cortisol hormones and the way that your body is physically affected, how that manifests. Um, you know, I've had to make a lot of changes in my life to kind of regulate my nervous system and to, to slow myself down. Cause I got a lot going on. I, I like doing a lot of things and being involved in a lot of things, but, um, sometimes you have to weigh, you know, what's actually good for you and getting older, you have to do that as well. Like I, I don't want to drink every night and feel like shit in the morning, but sometimes that idea of just being reckless is so romantic that yeah. people stay stuck. Haley, like for people who don't know, like um, Paramore has like a sizable audience and like did, you guys did really well when you started out and you did really well really early. One of my favorite things about the band is that you were like you were kind of discovered and then you were offered to be a solo act and then you just said, no, I want to be a band, which I still think I can't get over that you did that when you're 15. I don't think I could tie my shoes when I was 15, much less turn down like a major record labels once, by the way. Or maybe you got to be 15 to do that, though, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're you you have this really beautiful arrogance as a teenager. I yeah. think every teenager does, and yeah. and you're ignorant to any of the rules, right? Um, so I think that's what got me through those early meetings. But we, you know, a lot of people don't know. And to be honest, the timeline is really it's a very annoying timeline because we were all it was the early two thousands. People didn't take their phones and cameras everywhere. It was like you know, we did so much of our early groundwork without any witnesses. And I think um, it's the beautiful part. It's also like the part that I wish I could share the most with newer fans um, and young artists as well. Like I just, we were already a band. We were already kind of playing our school talent show and like writing songs together. And it was, that was my dream. I couldn't have cared less about any of the things that come with it. I was like, Number one, get mm. me out of Mississippi because that's mm. where I was born and, and my life began there. But well, my my life technically began there, but it feels like my life started 
when we got to Nashville. So by the time I met a bunch of friends at school that played music, that was it. I was like, I'm happy. And I remember telling my family and some people that were at the label, like, you guys don't have to like, you can take it or leave it because I am like, I could go back and Mm -hmm. play in Taylor's basement with the guys and we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll just keep writing and doing what we love. thankful that it didn't turn anyone off enough because we still you know i still had to sign my name on a dotted line but i got to bring all my friends along and uh and now we're at the end of that era of that of what that contract meant for us and i'm so thankful because had those people not been crazy enough to listen to a 15 year old then you know this 34 year old would not have I wouldn't even have the the relationships that I have in my life. So I feel very, very grateful. The thing you said there that I think is worth mentioning is that I would like to say to like newer fans, there's not many artists that have been around this long that have newer fans. The thing, Mm -hmm. the thing that I was talking about earlier was like self-validation is important, but also this new generation has discovered Paramore, whether it be on, on TikTok or just through your, through your, Mm -hmm. through your records. Not only that, I think that people who were listening to you in their early twenties, their relationship has only deepened with you. Mm. And then I see you singing Misery Business with like Billie Eilish at, was it Mm -hmm. Coachella? Coachella. Yeah, Yeah, Coachella. I mean, who was not not born when that song came out? Potentially, yeah. <laughs> like I think she was born, but still, it's you know she was uh, probably just learning to walk or something. I don't know. It blows. It really blows my mind. We spent a lot of time in the studio, like almost wide eyed. Like, how are we still here? Uh, this never happens to bands, especially bands that started in the era that we did. It's it's a weird time. That was. A, but why are you still here? Oh, um, well, I mean, the simple answer that probably sounds the most cliche is that it's the fans, you know, it's, it's music fans because we just don't, it wouldn't matter. We could put out stuff, but it wouldn't, there'd be no, there'd be no livelihood in it. That's for sure. I think that that would, that would be limiting certainly because they (laughs) give us, they give us the opportunity. They give us the, the, the chance to prove our value to other people that, that then invest their money towards our cause so we can tour yeah. or so we can make a record. So like it's the fans really. But I think beyond that, like to, to be more like to get a little bit more emo about it, uh, it's our, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's our friendships. I think that Zach and Taylor and I, um, we need music, but, but more than that, we need, each other and in the context of this band to continue to grow as people. It's been such a catalyst for, there's been so many hard lessons we learned that were we not in Paramore, we wouldn't have even come across, you know? So I I feel like this is my, this is the seat that I have 
to, to sort of experience the world from. And I am still curious. So we're still going. We're all still curious. We're such um, big fans of you here. And, thank you. And man. thanks for making the time to talk to us. We've been looking forward to it for a while. I love that we finally got to talk. You have such a good voice. Your voice is, I could listen to you on the radio forever. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> hey, come on, man. I'm on after the Opry on the NPR station down there. Okay. Uh, no, but seriously, seriously, though, like big, big fan. Thanks, Haley, for doing this. Uh, nice yeah, to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much. Paramore in Toronto just a couple of months after that, that interview, and I hadn't seen Paramore before. I mean, you know, lo and behold, they never came to Newfoundland. Uh, it was really, really a great show, and when they played that song, people went wild. It's Paramore and Still Into You. Before that, my conversation with Haley Williams. Their new album is called This Is Why. Paramore are up for two awards at this year's Grammys. That is it for the show uh, today. Tomorrow on the show, um, Jasmeet and Reina. Um, for a long time, he went by the name Just Rain. He was one of Canada's earliest big YouTube stars. Kind of one of YouTube's first YouTube stars. Every video he put up had 10, 11, 12 million views. And then one day, out of nowhere, he stopped. So where did he go? Why did he stop? And how did it lead to him making what I think is the best Canadian TV I've seen all year? His new show, Late Bloomer. Stick, uh, not stick around, be here tomorrow. We can stick around, leave the radio on all day, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be on again tomorrow morning, you know. It's old school. It's how people used to do it. They used to leave CBC on at a small, low volume. People write me all the time they do that. They leave CBC on a low volume in their house and talk to the cats or when they're baking bread. I'm digressing. You get the picture. We'll see you tomorrow, later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.